Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. We are looking forward to a conversation that I think will apply to every single listener we have in our audience. Chris, there might be a few people on the front end that think, oh, no, this isn't me. I think if they hang in there, they will realize that these truths are going to apply to every single one of us. A couple weeks ago, I was at a conference called the World Leaders Conference. Coach Urban Meyer spoke. He is the head coach of Ohio State football team. Coach Meyer was recognized as the best coach of the last decade. I think he's won three, maybe four national championships in the last decade. I love sports. Kind of one of my favorite hobbies is to listen to coaches talk about leadership. And I love Hall of Fame speeches. And the NFL has their Hall of Fame speech every August or whatever. I am glued to the TV. I'm watching it. I'm crying. It's just something that just captivates me. So Coach Meyer just taught some things that I've taught through the years, but I didn't have as good a language as he used. So I want to borrow some of the principles and pass along those truths to you today so that you can see how you grow as a leader, but also how you build teams as a leader, and then how those teams build your organizations and advance your mission. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I may show my athletic ignorance before we're all done with this podcast, but pretty sure that Urban Meyer was the coach for Tim Tebow down at the University of Florida Gators. You are correct. Ah, see, I pulled through on that one without pulling up Google. You'd be proud of me. Yeah. When it comes to women in sports, you just mentioned Tim Tebow, and they all of a sudden become knowledgeable. Uh, There you go. (laughs) But it is something that you have to take note, because while Urban Meyer is a coach, and not everybody necessarily relates to the coaching field, the fact that he's able to go into different organizations and continue to have success shows that there's something that he knows about leadership that brings the best out of people. Maybe kind of as a launch pad into this topic, all of us have this tendency, whether it's as an individual or as a organization, to get stuck at good. We just get stuck right there doing a lot of things pretty well, but never going to that level of excelling, never getting to that place of winning. What were some things that Urban communicated that were the difference that made for his organization and going from that good to great mentality? He talked about how to build a team. And let's break that down for just a moment. Even if you look at your family, in many regards, that's a team. So you can apply these principles to family dynamics. You can apply these principles, obviously, to sports. That's his context. Then you can apply them in all different arenas of leadership. So team building is a part of everything we do. If you're going to accomplish anything of significance in life, you have to have a team. Frequently, sometimes in the world of art or something like that, you see a great performer, a great musician or something, and you think they got there by themselves. No one gets there by themselves. Everyone has built a team in order to achieve something great. So he is one of the best team builders of our modern era in coaching. And I believe coaching is one of the purest forms of leadership because When you look at what players will say about their coach, they don't speak about their coach like a leader speaks about a boss. There's a radical difference between a coach and a boss. One of the things we hope to accomplish in life is remove that difference. We want more bosses to be viewed as coaches. Because when a player talks about their coach, I mean, it is a conversation of great respect. It's a conversation that involves a lot of love and loyalty there. As we talk about building a team today, I want everyone to know 
the, the principles that we're going to share, I promise you, they will benefit you on a personal and professional level. Chris, you're right. Even in the world of maybe you're a mom listening to this podcast, we're on teams all the time, whether you're working with a parent association at a school or whether you're helping do something at your church, you're on a team. So there are teams everywhere. What were some of the truths that Coach Meyer pointed out that help a team go from just being a group of people that are lumped together to something that has a life beyond the individual parts? Yeah, he talked about what is common in every organization or on every team. And he said this. He said, basically, every organization can kind of be broken down like this. There's a 10 percent, 80 percent, 10 percent. 10% of the people on that team, 10% of the people in your corporation or in your small business are elite level people. They are elite level leaders. And we'll talk more about what those qualities are in just a second. 80% of the people on the team, they're quality teammates. They're responsible people. They're people that are going to make a steady contribution. And then 10% of the team he called the defiant disinterested, the defiant disinterested, that they probably shouldn't be on the team. They're impossible to motivate. They're just difficult to deal with. Maybe they're there for the wrong reason, or maybe they're there because they have to be. There's many different reasons. But when you look at this 10, 80, 10, probably every single one of us can look at that and go, you know, that makes sense. I totally see that. So if that's how most teams are made up, 10, 80, 10 rule, What are you supposed to do with that? How do you move the needle so that you are more effective than the average team? The mistake that a lot of leaders make, they're grateful for the elite level leaders, but they take them for granted. And they kind of assume that they're just going to always be elite level leaders. And so what they do is they focus on the problem. They'll focus on that bottom 10%. And sometimes you do need to focus on the bottom 10% to say, hey, listen, are you going to do what you need to do to become a part of that 80% that's the reliable, responsible teammate? Or do you need to leave the organization? Do you need to be on the team or not? So, yes, of course, you need to address it, but don't put your primary energy there. Don't focus on it. The second mistake that leaders make is they will, again, they'll neglect the 10% and they'll focus all of their energy on the 80%. So what he did is he kind of flipped the paradigm. And he said, here's what a great organization does. A great organization, instead of being 10, 80, 10, what you want to strive to be is you want to move that 10% elite and you want to try to grow that 10% elite to 15%, to 20%, to 25%. And then when you get in the category of 30% of your organization is elite level leaders, then you are a championship caliber team. You are winning national championships, the potential to have a dynasty, so to speak. What you really desire is 30% elite level and 70% responsible quality teammates. So what you've got to do is you've got to try to figure out how do I get 20% out of that responsible quality teammate, that good teammate, to become a great teammate, to move them to elite level? That's a great question. If that's the goal... How do you do that? If you are in an organization right now or you are a volunteer and you head up the decoration team or I'm going to head up product development of a new product within our organization, what are the practical steps that helped him to take his 10 percent and grow it to that 35 percent? The first thing you do is you identify who are the elite level people in your organization. 
who are the elite level teammates. And he was very good to caution that, like in the world of sports, don't just say they're elite level because they're an extraordinary athlete, that they just simply have more talent. It's more than talent. There are three primary qualities of someone that typically falls into the elite level category, that that person has self-respect. There is something on the internal side of them that drives them. They're not necessarily having to be motivated by someone else all the time. And there's something about them that they have a great amount of respect for the things they do and for what they want to accomplish and respect for others as well. And then the second quality of people that are elite levels, they have self-discipline. Leadership begins with leading yourself. If you cannot lead yourself, it becomes virtually impossible to lead others. And so we know disciplines are the key to character development. Disciplines are the key to developing positive habits instead of bad habits. So those three qualities that exist in an elite level person are self-respect, self-discipline, and then an incredible work ethic. Because there are people who maybe they have all the talent but yet they won't put the work in to really develop that talent into a strength and maximize it. I love those specific qualities because I do think in our culture, when you use the word elite, it goes to these measurements of very external things. Having two children that are in high school, you're in that world where you have cliques and groups and who's outgoing and who's popular and all those kind of things that you can't wait to get out of high school to not have to deal with, but they really don't end. So even in the workplace, those measurements, if we're not careful, we might be evaluating those people on our team by the wrong measures. And really what you just described in self-respect, self-discipline, and incredible work ethic, sometimes they don't show up in that person that you look at as maybe the one that gets the most attention or the one that dominates the conversation. There can be other people on your team that if you look through that paradigm, you're going to realize, man, I have some gems on my team that have these qualities, I really need to pour myself into, affirm them, and to allow them to grow into that in an even greater way. Yeah, a great scriptural example of this, when God was looking for a new king, Samuel, the prophet, was trying to help find this new king, and he went to Jesse, and Jesse has all these sons, and it says they were looking at the outward appearance of a man. There was something in the sense of how handsome and how tall and all of those things. But then what the scripture says is that God does not just look upon the outward appearance of a man, but he looks upon the inward appearance. And so a lot of these qualities that you see, they're character-based qualities. They're things that are on the inside that drive you, enable you to be a great leader who achieves things. So Chris, this idea of finding those elite level leaders first, identifying who you have, but take some of that 80% and move them into that elite category. How do you do that? Let me give you an example from what Coach Meyer said. He said, initially, when I began to learn this principle and think about it, I thought, oh, my gosh, I mean, this radically changes my entire job as a leader. What I have to do as the head coach, what I have to do as the point leader of my organization, I've got to then go and take this 10 percent and I've got to turn this 10 percent into 30 percent. And so I've got to spend all my time figuring out how to go into that 80 percent and get 20 percent to become elite level. And that seemed overwhelming. 
then what he said was what I neglected to realize. I learned this principle through Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is a good athlete, but he is not the best athlete that I've ever coached. I've coached other athletes that are better, but he might be the best leader that I've ever coached. He said that coaches are notorious for working enormous hours and getting to the office early and staying late. And he said frequently, you know, we would be at the office at 530 in the morning, but there would be one person at the office earlier than us. And that person was in the gym working out. And that person was Tim Tebow. And he said, we would have an official workout later in the day, but he was there early. So he said, I was just always amazed by just the drive that this young man had and, and by his intensity level and by his leadership. So one day it dawned on me that here's what I needed to do. He said, I went to Tim Tebow and I said, you're no longer allowed to work out at 530 in the morning. I'm going to lock the gym doors. And he's like, what? I mean, you know, that's crazy, right? He says, unless he said, I explained this principle of what we want to do is we want to create elite level leaders. Unless you go get a teammate who's not elite level yet and you bring them with you and then you influence them and you make them elite level, then you can work out. That is a completely different philosophy. So he said, what I did was I identified who were the elite level players on my team. And he says, guess what? Everybody that's not elite level, they like to hang out with the people who are elite level. They like to be around those people. They like to learn from those people. Then I empowered them to go create elite level players. As we look at that, he gave us three steps as to how you create elite level players. You've identified the elite level leaders, and then you want the 80% to own something. Elaborate on that. What does that mean? What Coach Meyer did is he took a football team and he broke it down into nine teams. He said, okay, now here are nine teams. You know, you've got an offensive line, and then you got your running backs, and you got your wide receivers, and all those things on the defensive end, and you got your special teams. He took these nine teams, and then he made sure that every single person on one of those nine teams, they owned something. They had a specific responsibility. He said, people do not care unless they own something. Even if you just kind of go into certain communities that are primarily renter-based communities versus ownership-based communities, you see that they care for their property less. They don't take as good a quality for their property when they're renting as they do when they're owning. So what you have to do in your leadership of teams is you've got to give people value, give them importance, show them that you believe in them because you're willing to give them something to own and be responsible for. That's the first one. Chris, as you say that, I think about how sometimes somebody who would consider themselves a leader really they're good at controlling. That may really be their strength. They may have a great work ethic. They may be able to get it all done. But it's another thing altogether to truly be a leader, to empower other people and to bring other people. And so that first step is huge for us to be able to look at whatever organization we're involved with and go, okay, how can we get more people having ownership in this vision? How can we break this down so that everybody is seeing themselves as as a leader, not just in title, but literally that they have some skin in the game. And that goes back to a very biblical principle that you want people to be faithful in a little. And when they're faithful in a little, then it says God will put them in charge of much. So just break down your team into specific small responsibilities and give them the opportunity to be faithful in a little. 
right there. You're going to begin to see who are those people that are faithful with a little and begin to move into that elite level category. So, Chris, you first want that 80 percent to own something. The second principle that he introduced to you, you want to teach the 80 percent that they must master something. What does that look like? Well, every single person has talent. You have talent in something. What you want to do is you want to develop your talent into a strength. We don't hire anybody in the marketplace based upon their weaknesses. No one is saying, hey, on your resume, would you put forth all your weaknesses? We want to know what your strengths are and then come alongside of you and give you the tools to master your strength, master your talent, master a skill level. So everybody's got to own something, but then guess what? A quarterback's got to be really, really great at throwing the football. You do not want a quarterback who's not good at throwing the football. Every person, according to their talent, every person, according to their strengths, has the ability to master that so that they are extra valuable, even more valuable to their team because they have mastered their area of talent. You and I just took our daughter to do some aptitude testing recently. The whole goal was to say, what are your strengths? What are your God-given talents so that you can spend your time leaning into those? That's really, as a leader, one of your privileges is being able to, yes, give people something to own, but then also being able to help them discover what are those things you're really good at? And then how do you take that up from, hey, yeah, I'm good at this to that next next level that you've mastered it. Chris, we are getting to the end of our time together, but there is a third principle. So number one is you must own something. Number two is you must master something. And number three is you must be committed to the team. This is very, very interesting. He says, this is one of the ways that you actually can leverage fear in a positive way. Most of us think of fear negatively. He said, but if you are a quality, valuable, committed teammate, a teammate never wants to let down another teammate. A field goal kicker in football never wants to be the guy that misses the field goal. Someone never wants to be the guy that misses the free throw to win the game. You want to do everything you possibly can to be that teammate that delivers, to be that teammate that comes through in the crunch, you know, to be that teammate that is reliable and responsible. It's kind of like that band of brothers. When people are in the military and they have to go through a wartime experience together, and Navy SEALs are perhaps the best picture of this. When you are a Navy SEAL, doing your job and being committed to your team means other people's lives are at stake. You will go into the world of miraculous to not let down a teammate. You want to build such a strong culture. You're taking this team from 10% elite level to 30% elite level. 70% are good response. We go, well, what about those 70%? I mean, why can't they become elite? Listen, not everybody on a team can be a starter. It's okay for people to find their value as the best six man or six woman on the team, you know, in the world of basketball. You know, it's okay for someone to find their value to be on the special teams in football. It's okay for someone to find their value playing a complimentary role and in a role that makes other people better. I mean, that's all of what it means to be a part of a team. We come together for the common good of the team. We come together so that we might win and we all have to play our role. And so you must own something, you must master something, and you must be committed to the team. 
our nature as human beings, we want to belong. Everybody wants to have a sense that they belong somewhere and that they're able to contribute. So even as we look at this and, hey, how do you take the team that you're on, whether that's your family or whether that's an organization, how do you improve the performance of the overall team as you're doing that? I have to think that if you are really implementing these three ideas of having people own something, master something, and be committed to the team, the byproduct of that is that 70% are being inspired to become better because they now feel like they're a part of something and not just feel like it, they are. They are necessary on that team just as much as the elite level. They're invaluable, and the elite really can't be elite without them. They're two sides of one coin. They're two sides, you know, in the sense that they complement one another perfectly. They are the glue. They're the things that make everything work. It's one of those things where when you look at it, it's a sense of belonging. Everybody wants to belong. So let me give one final picture of how this concept of 10% elite level moving to 30% elite level When we take this back into the world of sports, let's say if you go from 10% elite level to 20%, you probably just became a top 20 team in the country. You just went from good to great. If you go from 20% elite level to 25%, you probably just became a top five team in the country. If you go from 25% to 30%, you're now one of the top three teams. I mean, you are predicted to win the national championship. So when you move into the category of 30 plus percent, or more, it's undeniable you're going to be one of the contenders for the championship. Now, let's go all the way back to one of the greatest leaders in history, Jesus. Jesus started his leadership model with 12 people. Out of those 12 people, there were three people that he spent even more time with and kind of developed as elite level leaders, Peter, James, and John. Three out of 12 is 25%. Peter, James, and John then did the Tim Tebow thing. They had to go get the other nine and turn them into elite level leaders. And the church was launched in the most unstoppable movement that has ever been born in history follows this model. I hope that everybody made it to the very end of that podcast, because I think just in that final statement, all of us should realize that we are on a team. As believers in your local church, you're on that team. And in the global sense, you are on the team as believers. And all of us need to own it need to master the skills that we've been given for God's glory, and then we've got to be committed to it. And so terrific truths from Urban Meyer. And then when we apply it and think about it specifically within our corporate setting, our family setting, but also within our setting as a believer, we realize we have such a great opportunity to really make a difference. So thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. If you want more information about the Love Works organization, I encourage you to check out our new website. Go to LoveWorks. Memphis.org. And also, if you have not heard about our Leadership Works Conference coming August 26, go again to loveworksmemphis.org. Check out Leadership Works coming to Memphis August 26. You are not going to want to miss it. 